This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. I'm starting the show today, folks, with a really big thank you. A really big thank you. Ramya Muthan, she's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald hosted the program from the home studio, London, Ontario. And Ram, you've had the occasion to check out the Ontario Blind Sports Gala. I, I was there over the weekend. Brock oh, Richardson was there. Yes. And we had a chance to, you know, hand out, uh, in Brock's case, our Gord Hope Award. I was emceeing the evening. They were celebrating 10 years. And I'm saying a huge thank you, obviously, to those who helped us get the night done and congratulations to those inducted, but mostly the people that came out. Mm -hmm. Um, Since pandemic, things have been, of course, difficult and and stuff like that. And there are times you just don't know. We've done this for 10 years. How's it going to stay? How's it going to be taken? And there was a little bit of time over the last few weeks where, oh, not a lot of people signing up to go. But my goodness, thanks to the wonderful sponsors and everybody that came out to to cheer these folks on and recognize them. It was fedoras off to everybody. A great night Saturday in Brantford at the Best Western. Thank those folks for always uh, doing really well to help us out with completing this. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, Rum. I think I have to say it's one of the top three Top three for me as an MC for the night. Things Ooh. went smooth, ran well, we were fairly quick, and and delivered service delivery I thought was really good by mm-hmm. everybody. Um, and had those moments where you're laughing at the speeches and those moments you were on the verge of tears. Of course. There's so many wonderful things. And honestly, every year there are several people I can think of just off the top of my head that it is an annual must go the the gala whether you were a past inductee or whether you just love keeping in touch with the community this way the the sports and the uh, para athletes whatever it is there are so many um people who just love to come out whether it's in Brantford or Toronto or wherever else they move it just because it's it's this time of year you think OBSA gala so shout out that it's always a successful endeavor for them yeah wonderful to visit with Paralympians there, just people into para sports, which of course the mandate of Ontario Blind Sports and so many of the sports mm-hmm. organizations around Canada representing the disability community. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we've got today on our program for you. What are some tech gifts that you might want to get for the techie in your family this year? Mark Flalo of Access Tech Live will be around shortly to tell us about a few products that has caught his attention. We've got our monthly independent living chat with Leanne Barda and she's continuing our kitchen cleaning conversation. There's lots coming up on that chat. And if you want to do some traveling, folks, what does the Canadian government recommend to citizens what we can do in case you have an emergency while traveling abroad? We'll get into that conversation on Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin later in Hour 2 of the program. Fisher Price Corn Popper uh, got entered into this year's uh, Toy Hall of Fame with three other playthings. 
The Fisher Price Corn Popper is finally voted into the National Toy Hall of Fame after the push toy that encourages babies to walk made it to the final round of the contest more than once but got eliminated by a panel of experts. This year, the Toy Hall of Fame celebrates its 25th anniversary by allowing fans to vote for a well-deserved but forgotten toy, in addition to the expert selections, which are the other three inductees, baseball cards, cabbage patch kids, and Nerf foam toys. The Winners are on permanent display at the National Toy of Fame, which is located inside the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. I'm Tiffany Wong. Ah, remember the days of all those upper deck baseball cards and hockey cards. That's that's tremendous as as they were big. And Nerf, so many Nerf footballs to the head. They were to be safe, right? Nerf is kind of <laughs> not doing well nowadays, right? Because it's you know, I found violent. them dirty. Oh. Well, they were also dirty. I just found they picked up, you know, stuff when you rolled Gross. them because people play football right? with them. And mm. it just sucked up all the dust, yeah, sucked up, the, you know, whatever. Especially so after kids, a while, it was gravel. It's like sticky and gross. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It would get whatever somebody's chocolate, their, their, their cinnamon, their, you know, their candy, their they read the hard candy. Yeah. Stones would jab at them. So then eventually, you, you know, you had a solid. Uh, but I do remember the push toy. The popcorn maker, and I think I had the lawnmower. I think that was our. I pulled uh, it off of somebody else's, and you'd push these. And I can totally get. I never really thought about it for kids walking. I just thought it was cool the noise of it. I guess as, as, as you did it. I didn't even. We had none of this stuff. We just you do? pushed just around off of walls. You were like <laughs> a little June bug bouncing chairs. off the walls. Like we were just not. Oh my there was God. nothing dedicated to too? helping us walk. Exactly. Yeah. Like no toys. We did the chairs too. You especially when you went to lean on it yeah. for support, and the chair took and off. And then it took off. Yeah. Exactly. It, definitely <laughs> not stuff that was supposed to be moved was being moved, so we can learn how to walk. Whoops. Carpet. I used to love the running down the stairs once I could learn, once I learned how to go down, up and down stairs yeah. and jumping. Mm -hmm. Loved it until my mom one day cleaned the floor and I ran down, jumped, and she had put the carpet back on it and the carpet didn't stay put. Oh, no. It was almost like I had my own magic oh, carpet no. ride. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, from my mom upstairs, a big scream, Kelly! Yeah, mom. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> well, you scared her first, and that was the most important. Then came, oh, the kid, I better check to be sure he's all right. You know, I'll make yeah. sure of that. But congratulations for it being inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame. I love when we talk about this every year. It just comes out. It just makes me always smile because the idea is it's forgotten toys. And I certainly forgot that. And Nerf. Wow. Mm. Anyway. We've got more ahead on the program. It's Monday. We're getting things started. Uh, Michael Babcock is in the house next. Audio Hijack is a tool on Mac that he uses regularly. He tells us all about it during our Tech Talk in two minutes. Stay tuned. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Thanks for being with us, folks. Remember, the first repeat of the program is 10 p.m. Eastern time on both AMI-audio and AMI-TV. Then you got us at 1 a.m. in the morning on AMI-TV and 6 a.m. in the morning on AMI-audio. Thanks a lot, folks. Whenever you get a chance to, to listen to the program, we appreciate it. Also, subscribe to the podcast. Listen to the show at your convenience in segment form or the complete Kelly and Rumya podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald, sitting at the Home Studio London, Ontario, on main campus in Toronto at the studio there, Ramya Muthan.
And we get to our tech talk as we do every Monday with Michael Babcock. App news, device reviews, security advice, and more. It's time to talk tech with me, Michael Babcock. Get your dose of ever-changing technology knowledge right here on Kelly and Romeo. We're starting with a bit of a throwback, Mike. We're uh, talking about your new ham radio. Now, was this a gift for you, or did you get it for yourself? What's going on? Uh, I would say uh, it was a gift from myself to myself. Mm. Does that work? Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, did we know you were uh, into ham radio? Yeah. No, because I didn't know I was doing okay. it. Uh, so uh, to be fully transparent, uh, the, the gift that I got myself, the uh, ham radio is a portable handheld uh, dual band radio. So it'll do two meters and 70 centimeters. Um, and it is the MDUV 380. Um, and that's kind of important because by default, like the previous version that I had, which was the GD77, uh, the radio itself wasn't accessible. So um, I'm going to hold the radio up now. And for those who can't see, it has two knobs at the top with an antenna. And then underneath that my hand was just covering it is the keypad. And this keypad is what controls the radio itself. And that radio uh, is is great, except for none of the things talk and all of the beeps are the same beep. So I mm. uh, had to be able to go in and update the firmware on this radio. Um, it also gave me that that will give me the ability. And we'll talk about why I say will shortly uh, ability to talk uh, to have the radio talk to me. Uh, but this one, unlike my GD 77, which is a radio I got a couple of years ago, the handheld radio I got a couple of years ago has better sound and potentially has a better USB. Uh, I'm sorry, better receiver. Now let's be fully transparent though. The the main reason I got this new radio is because I lost the screws on the GD 77 belt clip and I had to be more <laughs> official and get a radio with an actual belt clip. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's easy to do, right? Cause you move around and if you do, oh, I better bend over and pick this up. Boom. Sometimes you you could literally break them off with those uh -huh. with those units. That's that's really that's really amazing. When I was more active, uh, I I was staunch Kenwood and and, and Yesu stuff for the most part. Uh, but that tells you how long ago. What well, when we're talking about? What's that, sir? Uh, just real quick, Kenwood and Yesu are still great things. I used to have a Yesu VX5R, I think, and though it didn't talk, it beeped in different tones, so you knew what different was going ways. on. Um, yeah. The the problem I have with Kenwood right now is I don't have the money to invest into them. And so these uh, <laughs> cheaper radios I was able to get for about 115 Canadian. Wow, that's pretty good. I will say yeah. that. That's amazing. Um, I was going to go doing some looking uh, when I was last in Toronto thinking, yeah, you know what? I should think about getting some equipment. It's a bit different now than the many moons ago. Michael, when it comes to this unit, since I'm doing the thinking too, what does someone need to think about regarding that accessibility you're kind of referencing and talking about if they order this radio? Yeah, so both of these models, and, and first of all, I want to point you at blindhams.com because right. that yes. is a great centralized resource to get more references. Um, these This radio that I got plays a loud uh, Motorola sounding tone when you turn it on for the first time. And then I get super excited because it came on and said one, and I'm like, oh, 
oh well that's oh. interesting maybe what i read was not correct and then i turned the knob on the top and it went to two through five and then i went back to one and realized that's the only thing it read to me was the channel number. So uh, be aware that you have to go and flash the firmware in order to get this radio to talk to you and uh, in order for you to be able to independently use it. Mm. Um, how has your experience been thus far with the radio? So I'm either having issues with parallels on the map, because you know me, I can't just do it the normal way and get a Windows laptop <laughs> and, and set it up. So I'm yeah. trying to do it through parallels, and I've had no success with getting the driver. I don't miss Windows drivers to uh, recognize the radio. So it hasn't been the best. I'm going to grab one of the Windows laptops later today and uh, try that, because I really like the freedom that you get when you have your own text-to-speech, not text-to-speech, but your own voice output on the radio, and you can set your own frequency and not have to check with one of the kids to make sure that you're broadcasting on the right frequency. Fantastic. Good. Okay, Michael. Audio Hijack is a tool on the Mac that you use with regularity. Can you help people understand, understand a little more, especially those who are not aware of it? Uh, what, what is it? Yeah, so this is a cool tool, and it's one of the things that keeps bringing me back over to the Mac is the way that you can route audio um, on the Mac. Audio Hijack is a tool that will let you um, send and receive audio from both hardware and uh, software devices. And you can also, and they call these blocks. Um, audio Hijack works on a session model. So you open Audio Hijack and you make a new session. Inside of these sessions, you have blocks. So for example, you have an input block or an application block. You add these to the session. So I tell some people, add them to the canvas of the session that you're working on and then order them the way you want them to be. Uh, by default, it's going to automatically connect uh, the outputs of inputs to the inputs of outputs. And that might sound confusing, <laughs> but uh, when you're playing with it, you'll, you'll realize what it's talking about. And then a lot of podcasters use Audio Hijack both to record audio, but to also sweeten the audio that they have because you can run effects on uh, the audio. Uh, two things that I'll mention for sight-impaired individuals, especially using voiceover, um, if you're using voiceover, don't use your voiceover modifier keys and just use the arrow keys to navigate mm. around your blocks. Um, listen to what voiceover is telling you because it'll tell you the position of those blocks. And if you're in manual edit mode, which means you can manually connect the wires, use your VO left and right arrow keys to get to the input and output uh, wires respectively. And uh, what I do is I press VO shift M to get to the context menu of that wire. And then you just pick, oh, I want to connect this output to this recorder, or I want to connect this output, this input to uh, this, this switch or something, however you have your thing set up. Um, and I really am fond of the manual connections. Did you uh, learn about using this, especially with the voiceover modifier keys and all the nuances uh, somewhere particular, or do you just trial and error it? So I have this problem with not following directions, mm -hmm. um, and VoiceOver does great at giving you the directions you need in order to be successful with it. I hit the ground running uh, Allison Sheridan at podfeet.com. Um, she did a great job at explaining how the previous version of Audio Hijack worked with VoiceOver, and then I just took that knowledge and applied it to their newest versions. Okay, cool. Uh, also, the developer um, of Audio Hijack Hijack made an announcement. What functionality did they add? 
they are adding transcription blocks to version 4.3. So this would give you the ability to get a transcript from your recorder. Uh, I was getting frustrated because I it appeared that the transcripts weren't working. And I'm like, well, well, I can't just tell them I didn't do anything for preparation for the show. And then I realized that by default, the uh, audio hijack saves your transcripts in an audio hijack folder in your documents, not with your other audio hijack files. So just be aware of that. And then it saves it as a TXT document. It appears it's going to do... Um, uh, person identification, but that doesn't seem to be working, at least from the testing that I did over the weekend. So can you explain how this might fit into somebody's workflow, Mike? Certainly. So one of the things that I do right now is I record my voiceover demos with a session that has a input device in the top left corner and then voiceover below that. And then two recorders stacked on top of each other and an output uh, device or block. And that output plays for me the voiceover sounds. I take those two recorded tracks, bring them into Reaper and then edit them, which is what I'm going to do anyways. And then mm -hmm. I send them into Alphonic to get a transcript transcript. Um, and adding the uh, transcript ability to audio hijack when I'm recording the audio itself, that'll give me that transcript right there. And then if I know, oh, I made an edit point, or I can just say the word edit in the recording and then go find that tar time marker to speed up my editing ability. And I'll know, oh, that's a, you know, 37 seconds into the audio, I need to cut that. Uh, so that'll help. And then it'll also help with giving me automated transcript uh, summaries as well. Okay, it sounds like a really great uh, tool to use along with other tools you're already using with audio. And the same company, Mike, produces a tool called Loopback. What's Loopback? So Loopback is a virtual mixer. Um, it allows you to connect audio from different applications or devices. Uh, I use Loopback to make my experience with the vocaster be so you guys don't hear voiceover, hopefully most of the time. Uh, and so what Loopback does is it grabs the audio from the what's called channel five in my vocaster and sends that both to left and right channel. And then uh, my microphone is isolated. So if you need a mixer, or a tool to help you with connecting uh, different applications and modifying the way that sound that sound is, then you can uh, use loopback to send that audio where you need to. Do I need audio hijack or loopback or both of them to do this? To be frank, you might as well get both of them because when mm. you get one of them, you're going to be yeah. wanting to do other things with it. Uh, maybe not, but if if you think you're going to, you might as well get them both. Um, Rogue Amoeba has a bundle deal for 180 Canadian, uh, which saves you 45 Canadian um, in order to get both of those together. I did not buy them together and I'm kicking myself because uh, I ended up having to pay for both of them separately. And now I use both of them on a regular basis. So check out the bundles that are available as well. Okay. Uh, do you want to tell us about Gboard? I believe that's how you call it. Um, on Android, it's getting a new scan text OCR feature. So 
at first I didn't understand this. This allows you to take a picture of something and then extract that text. So I thought, well, why not use the camera for this? And then I realized uh, some benefits. So uh, what you do is you take a picture, you will be able to take a picture of uh, some printed text, and then the text that is detected in that image can be inserted into where you are typing. So for example, if you're like myself and are horrible at spelling, and mm. I finally come to that that conclusion i've known it for years but uh it would be good for me because if i can get a picture of the name of a restaurant for example um then that'll be automatically inserted i won't have to jump between applications to be able to get that text into the search window so i can go and uh, find what's going to be for dinner so you just paste the photo you don't necessarily need the text extracted from it Okay. And and that's you amazing. paste the photo in and it extracts it the does text it for you, for you nice. to, to it, put it knows in the that's what you're doing. Wow, mm. that's cool. That's even better um, than the text detected. Copy the text that's detected and paste uh-huh. that in there. Yeah, yeah. It removes all that. Okay. That's amazing. Freedom Scientific has 10 webinars coming out through the month of November. You want to give us a recap of some of these uh, events that we could attend? Yeah, so I think I sent a link in uh, if you guys want to share that on the blog. A couple of things that they are doing is uh, the recap and next stage for um, the contest that they were running for the next big thing with JAWS will be held tomorrow. Um, They're also doing some more training webinars, teaching people on the new features of 2024. And the one cool thing about uh, Vespero or Freedom Scientific that they are doing with their training is uh, they're doing both advanced and basic training, which I think helps hit a wide variety of people who might already know what they're doing with JAWS, but want to be more efficient or productive. So check out the Freedom Scientific blog to get more details about all of the events. Awesome. Michael, that's it. Thank you so much. We covered, uh, as usual, plenty. I'm surprised we got through it all. You guys have a great (laughs) rest of your show and catch you on the air, Kelly. Thank you, sir. Sounds good. We have Michael Babcock joining us on Mondays for our weekly Tech Talk. Coming up in just a couple of moments, a big question, folks. Something that probably when it was proposed, you stop and you'll say, really? Hmm. Uh, Why does being childless still carry a stigma? Grant Hardy is going to explore that topic on our headline segment after this. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. I know it's not likely, folks, what I'm about to say, but last week was a darn tough week. A little bit of tech stuff here and there that kind of went that way, that way. I hope Miss Amuthan over the weekend was good, mm-hmm. pleasant, nice to people, and came into work after leaving work Friday, also being so nice to all the people we rely on to keep us on the air. Oh. <laughs> Just so that they would be extra vigilant with all the things that they had no control over and all the curves they had to deal with last week. Mm, Yeah, there was a lot of curves, that's for sure. But I'm always pleasant and nice to people. You know that. So anyway, it's time to bring on our next guest. (laughs) Folks, uh, Grant Hardy joins us. We always bring him on board to talk, headlines, and so much more. 
Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Grant, happy Monday. Thanks for being with us. Always wonderful to have you on board from BC. Well, it is always fantastic to join the club Kelly and Ramia. So thanks awesome. for having me. Wow. Okay, now he's saying that before so he gets honored. his items, folks. So oh, oh, oh. And Grant's <laughs> going to be with us in a couple of weeks uh, when we are doing the special. Uh, we will tell you how you can get involved in that. But we're looking forward to you and Beth joining us. And thank heavens, because we need well, the help. It's going to be a big thing to pull off. Well, yeah. So uh, I feel like I have to, you know, be extra nice too. Not not my usual uh, nasty self, but I have to. Well, you do of... to us. Yeah, I, like, exactly. You're going to be on. You're going to be on set with us, and Amuthan might decide that it's Grant Roast Day. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. So that's why I have to flatter you. You know, <laughs> be extra sweet and kind and compassionate. It's uh, hard, yeah, but I'm trying. I know, especially with us. Where, where do you want to start, man? So I saw this article in the CBC, and I thought it might be an interesting topic. Hopefully not too interesting or controversial. But um, I read this article that talks about uh, the fact that even though the birth rate in Canada is absolutely like at a record low due to a variety of factors, including uh, cost of living, relationship status and uh, just simple choice uh, a lot of people still report stigma from not having children and there are various ways that this kind of ma manifests i mean one of them is kind of for a lot of people but especially people who identify as women say that uh, sometimes the value in the family centered firmly on reproductive abilities and the ability to have children. Uh, and like one woman described it as a commodity and ultimately led to the breakdown of her marriage. Uh, a lot of people just feel pressure that they are expected to have this sort of life with the traditional family unit or even the pressure to regret not having children mm. once they've sort of uh, passed that age. Uh, you know, even uh, strangers will kind of put on that guilt trip. And some people report that people have even said things like, how can you not have children? What if one of your uh, children grows up to cure cancer? Oh, my God. Um, which the person responded with, yes, but they could also grow up to be a killer as well. Um, th then, <laughs> then, sorry, that's a little dark, but it's quite from here. But it's a fact. Like I, and again, if someone's saying that stuff to you. Yeah, and it's know, not from like, Grant. What? It's from the article. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. good heavens. But no, it's it, very and, interesting points. Mm, and then some people say that there are even problems and expectations related to health. So, for example, one woman said that she was uh, dealing with problems related to menstruation. Uh, but for decades, doctors were not willing to offer her treatment that would result in her not being able to have children. And this, I think, is also a surprisingly common uh thing that people go through so just kind of 
curious to get your thoughts on this. Uh, oh, sorry, and I forgot uh, one other one, uh, which is some people say that their sort of intrinsic value is tied towards their children, and they sort of just become a quote-unquote parent as their primary characteristic and their own sort of wants needs aspirations kind of fade into the background so one person who had children said uh i love kids i had two of them but my worth my being is not just defined exclusively by being a Mm. parent so curious to get your thoughts on this i mean the first of all uh just that last point alone you know where women are talking about what it means to be a parent and there's like exactly this intrinsic idea or must have value that you being a mother is like your primary goal in life right your, or your identity role exactly your identity and um you hear a lot of this kind of critique not just around having kids but what happens with those kids once you are a mother. So are you uh, sending your kid into full-time daycare within a year of having a kid? Are you going back to work right away? Are you considering work at all after? Um, There's this author, Ashley Audrain, who wrote two books, The Push and The Whispers. And in both Mm. of these books, there was so much dark exploration, that's the way I would say it, of motherhood, Grant, and perspectives of different women, different kinds of kids, different relationships that mothers were having with their kids, with other women, around all of these conversations. And it was, Mm -hmm. I'd say, very uncomfortable to read about because nobody really talks about how toxic these societal norms can feel, and especially in a changing world where a lot of women are having more conversations around not being mothers or being mothers but very differently than their mothers were, their grandmothers were, the the locations and geographically where we were, culturally where we were 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Like, so much has changed, but there's still this trickle-down ideal of, yeah, but women need to be mom, mothers. I think just listening to you talking about that and obviously the conversation, I mean, once you become a mother is also different, but Mm. just realizing there's, there's literally like no way to kind of appease everybody is there. Like you're, you're kind of expected to just, you know, be a mother, but once you have kids, it's like, what are you feeding your kids? Oh yeah. Why are you, how can you put your kids in daycare instead of giving up your, you know, your career? How can you do Mm. this? How can you do that? And just this constant like barrage of like almost contradictory kind of expectations. Well, at the same time, your hopes, dreams, hobbies don't really seem to matter at all. Back burner. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be, right? Like, it's supposed to be when you're a mom, you give up everything. Like, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself entirely. That's the ideal. And um, unfortunately, that just doesn't line up. I take back the word, word, unfortunately. But it just doesn't line up with the shifts, the societal shifts that women are uh, a part of now. 
right? Like we, so many of us work, so many of us go back to work after having kids, so many of us share the responsibilities of children with spouses, with partners, with, you know, other support systems. And that just doesn't line up with what it used to be when you think of the picture of motherhood. But all of these nuanced conversations are not, they don't take as much priority. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of those things. Yep. I think you get nowadays more of the fiscal coming up. Years ago, it didn't matter. Your family, that was the, the, the place. You had to have these the children. You had to be sensible about maybe how many you had. But I don't know. You talk to a lot of people who say, ah, we had 12 of us. In our <laughs> so I don't know how responsible in, on that level or doable. But families, it was the priority to to, to, to do. Um, now that fiscal Hey, we don't have the money. Or and if you do bring a child into the world and you don't have the money, you're you're responsible. Why didn't you think of the child or your circumstance? The, the, back in oh, that's a great other ago, point too. Well, people years ago used to worry too about what they heard. If your family had a health condition, how dare you bring a child into the world with a disability and things like that? So I think there's always things that make you stop and say, "Oh, I think pressures." Depending even culturally related, there are some cultures maybe it's not as much of an emphasis. Some that it's even more. In Canada, the United States, we have and and the UK a multitude of of people from different walks of life, different mm. different um, cultures where. Some of it, some cultures, the family is everything. Some other cultures, no, looking out for me. There are a lot of people who look out for me, and some of these concerns are our beliefs of, well, what about me? I'm disappearing. I'm not on this planet just. And I think yeah. you're going to find that there, there are some of us who basically, we're too greedy. You don't want to have a child, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. So this is why when you brought this to the table, Grant, I haven't really heard this argument. I haven't, but I'm imagining as people get older and their friends that have children, oh, they're going definitely. to have a complex oh, yeah. because they <laughs> when don't. When you get to right? certain stages of life, aka <laughs> yeah, you hit 30. Number one, right? <laughs> exactly. exactly. And everybody exactly. else has, and you're sitting there, you can't relate, or when they bring the babies out, or there's a function where we got all the moms are getting together, except mm-hmm. you. And and that that. brings up the nuance of disability also, right? Like there's so much internalized ableism that whether we're conscious of it or not, we deal with because you you think you, you have to be a mother or you have to be a parent at a certain age. And if you're not... And you start wondering if disability is a part of that uh, or, you know, even just society looks at you and thinking you can't be a disabled parent. Uh, Or how Mm. can you manage? Who's helping you? Who's actually taking care of your child? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would imagine there's probably so many different types of pressure Mm. that uh, we would experience. Everything from like, come on, when are you having kids i I would like to have you know a lot of grandchildren etc uh i'd like to have some whatever some nieces nephews to people on the other end like it would be totally inappropriate for you to have children don't you dare even think about it Mm. so it's it's and i do believe the family thing grant as you brought up like i you know i think that is where you feel a, a lot of pressure or within your social peers because if they're doing it you might feel left out some people totally are comfortable with no i don't want children and they yeah, will be the first to tell you, yeah, but you're still fighting against the pressure when you say you that. You are. You are still left out. You are still, well, what's wrong with you? Do you think you're going to be a bad parent? Are you just that selfish? There are all those things people say that I think some people are able just to dismiss it and just say, well, say whatever you want to say. It's not something I'm comfortable with. I don't, you know, and some people are okay with that. But I think when you have something like this, a piece like this, you get a lot of people who aren't. I would be really interested in 
the cultures where people really feel it and don't because Canada is such a melting pot of people. Sure. I think being being left out is is such a great point as well, because you get into this position where, you know, I sort of feel mentally similar to how I felt sure. at 25, whatever. But now I'm in this situation where, you know, everybody around me, and instead of, you know, going out on Friday night, whatever, they're they're dealing with their their primary family unit. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. par partially fighting back against the pressure, but partially non-conformity, yeah. right? Well, means that's that why holidays become so hard for people because yeah. some people, you, you don't have the families to bounce to, to bounce to, or you show up at dinner and all the others are, uh, you know, with, with their nuclear families or whatever, and everybody's there. That's and the other oh, thing. Yeah, Family dynamics themselves <laughs> have changed so much. You don't yes. even, you can't even point to, hey, like mom, dad, child anymore. This, there's so much more layer. There's so many more layers to what a family looks like and that's part of the conversation also yeah. very very layered conversation mm. I'm, and i'm sure very uh, great subject thank you sir on wednesday you will be co-hosting with me so beth will be picking up the ball and uh, she'll be in your place here doing headlines so we look mm -hmm. forward to that uh Looking on wednesday forward to that. Mm -hmm. she always brings yeah. really fantastic headlines thanks guys thank you sir He's back tomorrow with Rum on the program, co-hosting for the day and then with me on Wednesday. That's Grant Hardy. We do this on Mondays and Wednesdays with headlines on the program. Up next, what are some tech gifts you can get for the techie in your family this holiday season? Well, another one of those really cool chats. Marco Flalo of Access Tech Live tells us about a few products that has caught his attention next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hey, folks, it's that time to have that discussion with you because in two weeks is your opportunity. Are you interested in uh, being a part of a live studio audience? Uh, here comes that opportunity. We're taping a special episode of Kelly and Rumya to air on a future date in prime time. So we're calling it the prime time special. We need 50 individuals to be a part of the live studio audience. Rum, I'm told the magic number at this point, 40. Mm, so that means space. legitimate out. seats. I think we should just get a shoehorn and squeeze more people in. <laughs> the rest are going to sit cross-legged at the front. That's right, exactly. There's standing room at the back. They're not worth standing for. But what is, folks, if you're in the Toronto area and you want to be a part of this, email info at ami.ca. Seating, as I just mentioned, is very limited to an extent, but I bet you can bribe marketing. I'm sure of it. We right? can for you Janice? on behalf of you. Right? Yeah. Well, a reasonable uh, price. All well, they're going to bribe audience members, too, because oh. all those in attendance will receive a Kelly and Rumya gift bag. Their names will be entered into a draw. You got two Apple gift cards, uh, just a, you know, a measly $500 gift card, folks. Some of you might be able to use and stick listening because we may even have some plans or places you can use that or items you might want to use it for. And we also have five $50 Tim Hortons cards available too. So info at ami.ca. Get on it, folks, if you're in the GTA and want to come out to the Great Hall uh, where we are holding this event on the 27th of November. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan.
Well, I might as well squeeze some more tech into the show, because why not? And why not? Exactly, exactly. And uh, usually at this time, we check in on what's going on around AMI, around the network. So uh, we're pulling in Mark Aflalo of Access Tech Live. We will talk about Access Tech Live, but before that... Mark, we want to get to tech gifts that you can get for the techie in your family. Uh, this holiday season, maybe using one of those $500 Apple gift cards. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Apple's on your list. I was just finishing list, my though. email to marketing, seeing if I can attend uh, one of these seats here. You still, you're not part of the original 40? Are you serious? I, was, I wasn't invited. Uh, yeah, you are. Just, it's a oh, given. I, we must, assumed you're going to be there. have gone to junk mail. Always does. I find any invitation for me goes to junk mail. No. People always tell me about it or ask about it after the event. The, Why weren't you everyone there? Everyone at AMI is supposed to automatically show up, especially the live shows. So. Okay. We'll work right, on that. Mark, I thanks. will work on that. Thanks. Whole different city thing, flight stuff. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure we'll it out. Am, I, look, AMI and you have money. In the meantime, <laughs> do you mind uh, telling us about things that we can get for our techie friends or that our people can get for us, please? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I can't promise that you're going to enjoy all the stuff yourselves, but mm. I mean, I'll go through a little bit of, you know, I mean, it, it ranges. I mean, depends on that person in your life. You know, there are people in the life like the Secret Santa at the office that you're not going to spend too much money on. Mm -hmm. So those are the kind of people that you'd probably, I guess, what, like $20, $30 budget. Um, you know, that's that, that's the kind of person that I get like a, a hands free iPad stand, you know, one of these ones that either right. sit on the on the on the bed stand or sit on the floor um, and you can actually hold it over your head. So you don't have to worry about holding on to it, whether you're watching something or reading something. Um, that's a pretty cool gift idea. That's one of those things yeah. that I, I definitely get for those people that I don't like too much in my life. Definitely one of those. <laughs> um Going up in the price range, I mean, there are so many different options. Wemo makes incredible smart plugs. So, you know, I just installed one for my outdoor heated mats. I've got these heated mats on my deck so that when my, my little chihuahua goes out and does her business in the winter, she doesn't have to get her paws wet. Aww. You don't want to get her little paws so wet. Yeah, we have for you and yeah. the dog. Yeah, right. It saves the inside carpets. That's why he does this, it. Let's be smart well, exactly. about this. <laughs> but don't forget, this is also good for Christmas lights, for holiday lights, for for outdoor stuff. I mean, if if you've got you know a nice inflatable Santa mm. on your lawn, perhaps, perhaps, right. or let's oh, insert yeah. insert you know you know non-religious uh, you know <laughs> item on your lawn. I have an Eiffel Tower that sparkles look quite nicely, and I want to turn that Cute. on. Uh, these are great for turning those things on. And uh, how much are they going for things. now? Um, they start at twenty four dollars. $24.99. I mean, you can go, they have higher models, like Lutron makes one that has two outlets. That goes for about $44.99. So different options out there. But I, I definitely, uh, I've always stuck with Wemo because they've been doing smart home stuff before it was even called smart home stuff. Okay. So it's definitely something that's interested in me. Um, you know, moving along in my, in my price category list here, um, when it comes to shopping on Amazon, you can't omit the Amazon Echo and the Echo Dot. And the Echo Dot with a clock is available for just $78, and it makes a great bedside uh, alarm clock because you can say, hey, wake me up at this time, wake me up with this type of music. And if you don't want the clock, forget about it. You can just get the regular Echo Dot for $68, and then you're laughing because you don't have to worry about you know the actual clock on there, but you can still give it commands and everything else that you might want to go with it, which is pretty cool. And again, at that that price point when you're talking about 60 70 dollars you're kind of in the like what brother-in-law territory i guess at that yeah. point yeah you're no longer secret santa you're <laughs> like, like, oh, the, family, like you. the family the family <laughs> gift you want to give without uh, buying individual stuff this is for the whole family mm -hmm. take it guys yeah, you still want to be cool, but at the same time, you don't really want to show this person that you, you like them too much. So that's now, why I got them no. the Echo and not another smart home device, huh? 
Well, come on. I'm gonna, <laughs> listen, this is we got to keep this within reason here. We have right. to be able to. It's yeah, not sustainable. There's a lot of people yet. in the family. I don't know about uh-huh. your family. I got lots of people to deal with. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, Mark's got lots of echoes. <laughs> That's he can why toss nobody out gets there. gifts. Yeah. All right. This is for six of I got, you. I got more than just echoes. It's a problem. My house, you know what? This is a therapy session for another day, but my house is just a problem. Okay. So <laughs> we've talked about the smart plugs. We've talked about, of course, the Amazon echoes of the world. Um, let's say you got someone that's a little bit better than a brother in law. Maybe it's an actual brother. Oh, Paul. Um, Echo B. Right. Echo B, a Canadian company, yeah. just came out with a very cool video doorbell that is compatible with Apple's home ecosystem, Amazon Echo. It's matter compatible, which means it's going to be cross compatible with pretty much anything that comes out from this point forward. $219. That's actually a really good price for a video doorbell. And it, since it's designed and made by a Canadian company, you know it's going to last through our elements. Because I tell you, I've been through so many different video doorbells. And after every winter, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to use this one anymore. And I keep upgrading, keep upgrading, or changing and trying to see which ones work out there. And when they sent me this one, I'm like, okay, this is probably going to last me uh, at least several years, especially because of the climate that we're dealing with. And 219, again, this is now like, you know, maybe blood relative territory here, you know, if you want to spend that money. But... We can go higher if you want as well. Wait, yeah, no, not yet. Um, with this one, the Echo B, I'm curious about the comparisons that people already have for video. Um, what do you call it? Doorbells and yep. like the Ring. Oh, is it called the Ring? It what is the Ring. Ring, is what, Ring was the first yeah. original video doorbell that's existed up there, and, and, and it seems to be a big name still. It, it, it is a big name. It was also bought by Amazon, so uh, there's that, that 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 clout behind it as well. That even bigger um, name. <laughs> definitely great, great products. They're great products. You know, Wemo makes their own doorbell as well. Logitech makes their own doorbell as well. Mm-hmm. There's a company called Eufy. Um, they all have similar you know, kind of character sets where they'll, you know, ring, you have to pay for a cloud service if you want to record it. The ones that are HomeKit compatible will actually, most of them will record to Apple's iCloud. Um, this new one from Echo B uh, for, I think it's $5 extra a month, you can add on the service. All comparable, but definitely in my experience, the wear and tear on the ring, not great for mm. our climate. It hasn't lasted longer than a year. Logitech, oh. same thing. Belkin, same thing. So I'm hoping for something a little bit different from Echo B. And because... I also use their thermostats and some of their door sensors and stuff throughout the house. It's kind of cool because on the actual thermostat, you can see an image of the front door when it rings. Mm. And you can even hear the actual chime ring on the thermostat itself. Oh, wow. So it does work together. And in the U.S., they're going for this whole smart security thing in Canada. Not so much because we've got pretty good established names on the security side. But it's it's definitely worthwhile, especially if you want to support homegrown products. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Okay. Do all this stuff. Now let's go higher. All right. Now let's go higher. Okay. We're going to, I have two levels here. Okay. Well, two, two levels of higher. The first one is going to be a Roomba, an iRobot robot vacuum. Who doesn't love a robot vacuum? Okay. Yeah. If you have a pet, you might want to get that poop guarantee. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. I've been down that road. You don't want to end up that way. Okay. Uh, iRobot <laughs> has the poop guarantee. Uh, the Roomba 694, $239.99. That's a That's really good. That's actually very good, reasonable. Yeah. A really kidding? good price for what you get. Now, this isn't the one that has a base station that can empty itself into a canister, so you're going to have to empty it more more often than not, but still a great entry-level point if you're just trying to get rid it of the is. dust and make sure wow. that, you know, every day it goes on for an hour or so and just gets the area. Sometimes you just want to entertain your cat, you know, <laughs> and this is a way to do it. You can just stick something on top of it. It's for the exercise. Snack. 
chase, if you've got a chase. small child, it's a fun, it's a fun like remote control toy. If like you, you ask me, it's entertainment it. first and then cleaning second. Well, exactly. Wow. You might want to get a helmet for the child if you're going to put it on there. Just a disclaimer there. And I don't recommend any of this stuff at home. What by the way. is this iRobot doing? <laughs> okay. Um, and 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 last but not least on my on my list, and I can listen. I can come up with more if you want me to. This is where we're going to hit the four hundred dollar mark. Okay. This is for that loved one in your life. Well. A loved one who's into technology. Um, Ray-Ban Meta Smart Glasses. This is the right. second generation that they've released these Ray-Ban kind of Wayfarer designs that have a camera on each temple that allows you to actually, it it, it can actually see things. Uh, future updates could allow it to describe things that are going on in front of you. I could see this working with apps like Be My Eyes, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, there's AI involved, so you can say, hey, Meta, and you can ask it questions and it will respond. It's got down-firing speakers so that you get really, really good sound. And I must tell you, the sound is really impressive. Yeah. Of course, there's a microphone on board as well. It, mm -hmm. it takes talking to yourself to a whole new level when you're walking down the street <laughs> because normally people look for the earbud and they're wondering, oh, he's on the phone. Uh, now I was going to ask really you, confused. can you can you actually plug in your earbuds? Well, you don't even have to like, plug. You don't you... have to plug in your earbuds. No. It's got the down firing speakers. You no, just but, walk down the road uh, talking to yourself. Yeah, you're but full are there people crazy. are going to hear the the speakers? No. You know they don't. You don't. They don't it, leave. It, it's so directional. That it would have to be blasting loud for you, for anybody else to hear right. around there. I was All playing right. music, listening to, I don't remember what I was listening to, and no one even around me even knew I was listening to anything. Okay. So uh, these are fun. And at $400, that's like, you got to like the person a little bit more than, you know, just the brother-in-law. So uh, definitely something for everybody at the price point. And listen, this is a rabbit hole that you can go down. Who knows how far you can go down? We've got what, Black what Friday I, stuff coming up in a week from now. It's going to go crazy. What I kind of oh. like is the fact that you could use those and still kind of walk as a, as a low vision person and reasonably safe with your stuff down low enough. I mean, sure, certainly you don't want to probably be crossing a, a street, but if you know your area as opposed to having something in your ear, it's that great excuse to say, yeah, I can listen to my music and walk you know, and maybe not break these when I run into a pole. Or listen but to I, directions, like Kelly. I mean, if you're listening, well, exactly. if you're listening oh, to navigation, sure. you want to know what turn left, turn right. It's not necessarily oh, music yeah. playing all the time. Uh, or using it with... You know, using it with like an app like Soundscape where it's describing mm. your yep. environment, you know. And this binarily, right? Sure. Like it, it, you have to get that proper stereo. Which is well, it, it, it's beautiful stereo. The separation is quite nice. Mm. And the cool thing is, is that if you could, you know, you could turn on head tracking and stuff like that as well. So the, and there's so many future updates that are coming with this. They're managing to squeeze all this tech into just, you know, just the rim of frames at this point. So I love I it. Reading until I'm signs. Like, like I love whether you're using <laughs> Ira or something else. Like, oh, my God. Um, what do you guys have coming up on the next episode of Access Tech Live this Thursday? This is one that I've been working on for uh, just over nine months before the show was even confirmed. Uh, we're going to be sitting down with Jay Blonick. He is the vice president of fitness technology at Apple. He's the one who way back when decided, hey, we should launch a fitness service. Nice. And that's when the watch came out. Uh, he is the the magical man behind it. And we're going to be sitting down with him for a very rare interview. Go search his name. You're not going to find uh, very many interviews with this man online. And we have him and we're going to be talking all about proper representation and everything they do at Apple Fitness Plus. It's really kind of fun. It's a really good good interview. I am so excited for that. Make sure you grill him about the audio description. Thanks, Mark. My pleasure. Mark Aflalo, Access Tech Live, noon Eastern on Thursdays is when you can check out that show. Uh, and Mark appears everywhere all over the network, so keep an eye out for him. We just talked about the uh, nice go-to guide for holiday gifts, especially budget-friendly stuff. Um. The nicer of the Aflalo brothers. Which item did you like, quickly? 
I want the Arumba. I seriously didn't know there was such a low price point option for that. Are you going to get it for me? Like... What? Sure, we're all working on that. I like the glasses. <laughs> I heard about this recently. Yeah, that's more expensive. That's like double the price. That's okay. I'm so much nicer to you money. with my gift uh, list. Yeah, but you have the money. What? No, we both have yeah. the money. Come on. Oh. Wonder where mine's going. What are you guys doing with it? <laughs> yeah, okay. Coming up next, folks, on the program for hour two. What does the Canadian government recommend for its citizens do in case of emergency when traveling abroad? Danielle McLaughlin lets us know on Know Your Rights. Plus, on the program, on our independent living segment, Liam Barda continues our uh, discussion on cleaning our kitchens. Up next, however, curious about learning more about the salmon return in BC? Community reporter Carol Yapel has all that for us because there's an event going on out there uh, that offers lectures and demonstrations. We hear about it beginning of hour two next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. We've got another hour of the program. Remember, too, we want to fill those spots up for the 27th. If you want to join us at the Great Hall in Toronto, info at ami.ca. Send in a message, ask any questions you might have, and then reserve your spot. We need to get 50 people to fill up the available spots that we have for the live uh, show that we're going to do, taped live there as we walk through a special that will air later on uh, uh, in primetime on AMI-tv. So... Uh, if you want to check that out, wonderful. Remember, our first airing of our program on AMI-audio weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. Then we're up at 10 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. in the morning with the repeats of the show. However you're consuming the program, Rumya and I appreciate it. It's Kelly and Rumya here today as we work through our Monday edition. And we get the chance on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays to visit with our community reporters. So today we're welcoming in our community reporter from Vancouver, Carol Yapel. Hey, Carol, what's going on? Well, we're into the fall rains out here, so the season has changed. We're in a different vibe. How about you? Mm. Yeah, I we think I remember the November the rains. I think, <laughs> I think when we went there, it was November. We went for an event, and I recall dark yes, yeah. and rain. <laughs> yes, today's a bit brighter, but the other thing that happens at this time of year, every November, and it's really marvelous to behold, although this year because of the drought and because of the wildfires and so many things, it's brought particular attention to the salmon return. Mm, so this yes. is the time of year, every year, this miraculous journey happens when our sort of national, our provincial fish comes back to spawn. And what has happened is that because of the drought, they're having a hard time getting back to the estuaries, to the places with you know shallower water so that they can do this miraculous spawning. So I found a place and I want to recommend it to everybody. It's not in Vancouver proper. It's in Maple Ridge, which is in one of our Eastern uh, municipalities located about an hour from Vancouver. The Kanaka Falls Regional Park has an amazing hatchery, egg, egg hatchery, and they help the salmon there to do this um, fertilization. So they have a fish fence, they capture the fish, and then they bring them and an aid in this process that is so under stress because of the drought. And 
you know, I've heard about salmon in my life. Mm -hmm. And of course, everybody Mm -hmm. in BC knows that the salmon come. But I learned so much from the volunteer uh, lecturers and the people who assist in this process out at Kanaka Creek. I just was amazed at the efforts that they're making. And I think that actually they're able to assist in 350,000 fish coming into being through through their efforts. And um, I don't know, for, for somebody who had lived in BC as many years as I have, I learned so many things about the salmon that I, I didn't know. And mm. the, the paths are accessible. It's easy to get into the building. And honestly, these people speak so well. We we talk about audio description, right? And and what's a good audio description? You don't have to see too much to be able to understand what they are able to do to get these eggs out of the fish, get them inseminated, and put them back into the creek to survive and and grow into being full sized fish. Yeah. Yeah, we've had them on the show, and it it's just amazing, especially since it's when you talk about the pressure, the stress, as you use that word, um, that the salmon are undergoing, and the descriptions and discussions that we understand they do, like what you're saying, uh, phenomenal. And when you find so many places, Carol, that want to be accessible, I don't think right off the top you're thinking a hatchery, a mm. salmon hatchery. You're not thinking that, but yet you want to grab that information. When you get a chance to learn about it, I'm sure you were, you know, if you were sitting down on the edge of your seat because it's just, wow, wow. And you live out there. And I think probably, Carol, in my opinion, it would be more impactful to people who live out there and say, and I live out here and I didn't know. Right. Wow. Well, there are streams all over the lower mainland. The the difference with this place is that you can walk right into it. There's a burbling mm-hmm. stream. There's waterfalls that you can hear. I used my cane. I got in there and I just listened to the description of what was going on. And actually, the friend who took me filled me in on a few of the details I couldn't see. But still, it was a tremendously educational thing and and does raise awareness. My whole report today, you know, I always try to do an outdoor event and an indoor event and a web event. It's an environmental theme today because Mm. somehow this salmon business got my attention and I began to think more seriously just about environmental things in general, which I think as low vision person, sometimes I think, well, I don't have a car and I don't fly around in planes. I'm not contributing. But because of our wildfire season this year, it's really grabbed my attention, the environment issue. Yeah. And what a three-dimensional way to kind of get involved or be educated, right? Because we, uh, I often think about just the gap between the food that comes to me at my table or going to pick up groceries at the grocery store and not understanding the origins, the actual uh, effects or the chain of how things end up to us and for us. But with this, you're you're getting right in the environment. So not only are you learning about the actual salmon um, and the expertise that people are sharing around that, but the actual environment and environmental factors, like you go to them and you get to understand where it's all coming from. It's pretty incredible. Uh, also, do you want to talk about a voiceless mask concert of music event that's going on? 
Yeah, sure. And this is related to the environment also. This mm -hmm. is a piece written by a Native American composer named Raven Chacon. And he is the first Native American to win the Pulitzer Prize in the States, which he did last year. This is a Canadian premiere. And, you know, the thing about music, I'm, I have a music background myself, and, and with not being able to see people on the stage as well anymore. Sometimes I go to concerts and even though I really enjoy them, I think, oh, what am I missing here? Mm. But this this is an interesting concept that this fellow has. He lives in New Mexico and he does a lot of outdoor site-specific pieces. This is indoors, it's in a cathedral, but it is designed so that all of the musicians are 12 musicians plus pipe organ, and it's designed so that all of the musicians are spaced out in the cathedral. And so the event is not at all visual, really. It's an aural event. And when I started thinking about it, I was thinking about this Native American composer who writes pieces about the lost landscape of New Mexico because they suffer drought too. And many of his pieces have to do with um, kind of memorializing the land mm -hmm. that he's on. In this case, it's sort of about the places of accessibility. So let us say a cathedral was accessible only to certain sorts of people. But anyway, the musical performance is something that exists all around you. So you sit in the pew in the cathedral and you have the organ in front of you and clarinets on the side and strings in the back. And it's just an aural meditation. It's called voiceless mass. So there's no singers, but to consider, I think the places that we have and the places that we need to honor and, and the places that we have lost. Something like this offers I guess a unique experience in the sense that you don't necessarily have to go in thinking, what am I gonna get out of it? And you were kind of saying that at the start of it. Um, probably if you go in with the intention of learning, with the background of this composer, then you're already going in with that uh, intention. But even if you go in, you know, like a, as a plus one with no idea and no intention of what it is, it's the meditation part of it that hopefully sits with you and especially because of the uniqueness of uh surround sound of live music in this kind of space there's really just layers of opportunity to take whatever you will from it go uh, take away and go further explore further research or just you know this experience was what it was hopefully something meaningful at least auditorily yeah, I think it's a sound design. It's a sound mm -hmm. experience. And I should mention that it's at the Pacific Spirit United Church, uh, which is on 45th Avenue and U Street in, in the middle of Vancouver in Kirisdale. And it's presented by uh, Vancouver New Music. Amazing. Okay, great, great. Uh, let's squeeze your last one in. Webinar Assessing the Impact Ottawa, Alberta and Next Steps for Canadian Climate Policy. Yeah, so this is a webinar tomorrow, tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific or 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern, hosted by West Coast Environmental Law. The Supreme Court, you may know, recently handed down a decision on the Impact Assessment Act. And what this essentially has to do with is the balance of powers between the feds and the province in terms of adjudicating 
what kinds of environmental effects can go on in any kind of development project. And they ruled that uh, the feds had overreached. So out here in BC, we're very concerned about this law and how it will be amended so that projects can continue to go forward in an environmentally sustainable way. And this group here in Vancouver, West Coast Environmental Law, are hosting a webinar tomorrow to really discuss that. They speak very plainly. They're lawyers, but they kind of can drill it down, if you will, to the basics. And they did one earlier this month, and, and I really appreciated learning about it. And so here's part two, but it's supposed to be really good. Awesome, Carol. This is tremendous. That's really wonderful. Anxious to see how we uh, what we get out of that. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care. We'll talk to you next month on the program, visiting with our community reporter, Carol Yapel, out in Vancouver, getting goods on different subjects that she brings to the table. Always, always wonderful stuff on the program here. We visit with our community reporters Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, right here on Kelly and Ramya. Up next... On our independent living skills segment, which is next up with Ramya and Leanne, they had a chat last week. We got it for you in a few moments. We're going to be continuing our talk on kitchen cleaning after this break. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you on board. Always a good time here. At least we think so anyway on the program. So much to learn, so much to take in. It's our Monday edition as we start working you through the week. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. Uh, we want to get to our independent living chat for the month, and this is with Leanne Barda. We had a great conversation with her. Let's find out what it's about. Hi, my name is Leanne Barda, and I'm here to teach you all about independent living skills. Please join me on Kelly and Ramya. Leanne, we started a conversation around back to basics with you, not last month, but the month before, because last month we took a break to talk Halloween. Now Halloween's over and we want to get back into it. Um, and you want to start with the kitchen. Are we talking food prep? Are we talking kitchen safety? Where do you want to start? kind of a little bit of everything. I mm. feel like, you know, heading into the holidays, uh, no matter what you celebrate, um, the kitchen is front and center. So I figured we would talk about all the things to do with kitchen safety and meal prep and uh, some of the tools of the trade and see uh, what kind of trouble we can get ourselves into. <laughs> yes. Okay. Sounds good. So where um, do you want to start when it comes to kitchen skills? What should we initially think about and prioritize? Yeah, so whenever I go visit a client for the first time, the very first thing that I mention is the use of a cafeteria-style tray. Mm. So people are like, well, what's the what's the point of that? Well, it, it does a bunch of things for you. So it helps with organization. It helps with minimizing spills and um, things getting away from you. You can kind of uh, organize yourself around it. It has built-in knife safety. There, there's so many... Um, you know, really good aspects to it, especially, you know, if you have low vision, this is where color and contrast can come to come into play. And so let's say you're uh, having to measure things like oil and vinegar or, you know, things that you really don't want all over the floor. Then if you have your tray, if anything does spill while you're measuring, then it's less of a fall hazard and it's a faster cleanup. 
Yeah, this is one of your favorite things to bring up when we talk anything in the kitchen, whether it's uh, cutting and keeping your knife under the tray or just things to catch scraps. Uh, as you said, the workstation thing, so a, a nice, organized way of starting, especially if you're new to the kitchen. I, I think about that. A lot of the things we take for granted if we've spent a lot of time in the kitchen. But for beginners, it's daunting to think that there's an entire... A full surface of a countertop where things could roll away to or get away from you and you're reaching around and, and feeling very disoriented. Exactly. So this gives you a defined workspace. And so the typical setup would be you have a non-slip uh, rubber mat kind of a material. You would put your tray on top of that. Your garbage bowl would go at 12 o'clock. Your knife would go uh, with the blade tucked under the bottom right-hand mm. corner. And then if you are, let's say, uh, baking, you can have all your wet ingredients on one side, all your dry on the other, or whatever makes sense to you. Yeah. So it's just uh, something to kind of get in the habit of doing. And, you know, after doing it five, ten times, it becomes part of your everyday routine. Mm. And then where do we go from there? What are some other suggestions that you have when we're thinking of stepping into the kitchen? So some general safety. So things like wearing short sleeves or if you're going to... Um, have things that are dangling so push like if you're wearing like a hoodie with the strings maybe tuck them in if you're going to use the oven um with your hair if you have long hair uh maybe you can sort of putting it up and tying it up into a ponytail or a bun just to make sure that you know whenever you're cooking you're we're not going to have any uh, really interesting fire situations mm. um other things my other favorite thing is instead of using oven uh, mitts, I like the oven gloves. And I find they have the little silicone grips and they have, it gives you a little bit more dexterity in your fingers, especially if you have diabetes and you have some neuropathy in your fingers. The more access you have to using your whole hand and having a better grip on that item when you're taking it out of a hot oven, I think the better. Right, right. Um, I... I think I like all the different um, oven mitts or gloves or different sizes and lengths as well for different reasons, especially now with the air fryer and things coming up. Uh, you, mm. You're handling different kinds of hot, um, which yeah. is you know important to think about. But yeah, don't reach for your kitchen cloth or whatever you call that. <laughs> no, don't, no, don't do that. I've, I've seen I've seen all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. in my work. Uh, I like the ones that are almost like barbecue gloves, so they go like almost to the elbow. elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so then absolutely. if you happen to reach into the hot oven, then the sides of your wrists aren't going to touch the outside mm. of the hot oven. And I've done it before, foolishly, and it is not Same nice. thing with the air fryer. And the thing we have to remember is, you know, the kitchen habits that our parents may have or the people who cook around you may have are not always helpful and the safest options for us. Obvious statement, but we pick up a lot of habits just because that's the way things have always been done, right? Like I know yeah. my mom, several of her pots just don't even have real handles. I don't know what she does. I don't want to know. I don't want to be around when she's using them, but <laughs> I know that that is just not an option for me. So anyways, um, <laughs> what else, Leanne? Yes. Yeah, so um, I always talk about the use of all your sensory clues and using things like uh, time and temperature. So you know if you cook, let's say, a chicken breast at whatever temperature for a specified amount of time, you have a pretty good idea that that thing will be ready. Um, but then you can use things so like when you're cooking ground beef, for example, it starts out really squishy and pink. And then as it cooks, 
you know, the smell changes, the sound changes, the texture changes. So little things you can use to help yourself um, manage like and determine food readiness. So um, the other handy dandy tool is the talking meat thermometer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking meat thermometer is the life changer. Uh, we've said it before, we'll say it again, right? There's just so much you yeah. can use it for, so many different cuts of meat, types of meats. You're, it levels up your uh, protein game for sure. Oh, definitely. And then, of course, uh, talking timers. Um, if you don't use things like Siri or Google or Alexa, um, the standard uh, old-school kitchen timer with a dial works just as well. We can mark that with bump dots or fabric paint, so we can make those accessible as well. But you can also pick up the talking timers at uh, probably CNIB Smart Life and all over. Any other tools uh, that are really handy? Um, yeah, so, you know, to make chopping more manageable and safer, um, especially if you have low vision, you might want to have like a task lamp with a flexible arm so that you can shine that light on the board and make it um, easier for you to see. Um, again, thinking about color and contrast. So if you have a black tray, maybe put on a white cutting board, um, you know, making sure your knives are safe. It's always safer to have a sharper knife than a dull knife yep. because when you're trying to push a dull knife through something, it's even more a uh, chance of uh, getting yourself uh, having a cut. Yeah. Um, for some people who aren't really feeling safe about using knives, there are those plastic salad knives is a good entry level thing. Um, there's all kinds of choppers out there on the market, whether the, like the, the ones where you push down and the blade comes down, or there's that one that looks kind of like a, a box and then it has like a, a grid pattern of blades and then you put your onion or tomato or whatever, and then you just push the, the lid down. So, you know, there's a, a variety of ways uh, to work around um, if you don't feel comfortable yet working with knives. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of knives and, and ways to chop and cut, let's talk about peeling. Dreadful stuff. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So with peeling, you know what? There's ways. My favorite kind of peeler is like I call it a Y-shaped peeler, and it has the straight blade coming across. I find that it um, it drags a lot more easily, and there's a lot less resistance. And um, the trick of it is, so if you're let's say peeling like a carrot, you would anchor the carrot with the pointing down and away from yourself, and then you would peel down and away from from uh from your hand and mm. um the way you can tell if you peeled something especially like a, a carrot or a potato it's slimy where you've uh where you've peeled but it's a little bit drier and rougher where you haven't interesting i know that um it just over time as you peel and peel and peel as much as you hate doing it, you will start to yeah. understand just like how your method is working for you. Uh, because from one person to another, this is not just um, specifically for blind or low vision people, but I find that people peel very differently from one another. Again, these habits oh, yes. that you pick up and such. Um, but yeah, you can tell, and or things like potatoes, I sometimes run it through water and then you can feel the difference of the, mm -hmm. the consistency, right? Things like that. Oh yeah. So, you know, sometimes learning tricks from other people is really helpful, especially those who have been cooking for a long time They may have um, ideas and uh, tricks that I would never even thought of. So, yeah. um, you know, wherever you can get good ideas and, and as long as they're safe, then, you know, why not go for it? Exactly. Tell us, uh, you wanna tell us a little bit about stove safety? 
Yep. So whenever I go into a home and I see the stove, I've seen some crazy things where people have foil all over the, the backsplash of the stove and around the burners. And we have to peel all of that away because it's a fire hazard. And so the number one rule is no towels on the, on the, on the oven door rack. You want to make sure that the stovetop is clear of any uh, knickknacks or spices or, you know, I've seen people use the stovetop as storage. Um, and then the back of the stove should also remain clear of any items just in case something falls if you knock it. That's um, important. I think that even if you're not necessarily doing, like using the stove, these are things that you're probably worried about anyways. Like, did you accidentally turn on the element? Did you cook on it? Did you not cook on it? What do you have on your surfaces that may melt? That's one big one for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So this is why it's really good to have an ILS come in because there's a lot of safety techniques that we show. So whether how to tell if the, you know, when the oven or stovetop has been used, if you live with other people, um, how to find your pot handles safely, how to center your pots. So I think these are all really essential skills that your, your independent living specialist can come in and work with you on. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure that, you know, even if it's just a one-off lesson, just to make sure you're doing it safely, it's better to just kind of, you know, err on the side of caution and just have that one lesson. And stoves are changing too. Like the, the coil elements are no longer what you find if you have an upgraded um, kitchen with appliances. You got the, ga the glass stove, sorry. Uh, and there are yep. even different iterations of that. You got elements on the front of the stove, on the back of the stove, like it's, or not elements, sorry, buttons and knobs. So oh, yes. there is yeah. actually huge consideration to think about because I know, you know, reaching to the back of the stove is a different experience altogether when you're cooking versus having the knobs in front, right? Exactly. So ideally, you know, it would be good to have the knobs in front, but sometimes even that can be hazardous because oh, yeah. I found some of the really, really sensitive touch screens in the front, um, just brushing by them exactly. sometimes will accidentally activate it. So Absolutely. you really have to be mindful of all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, how about spices? We don't have too much time left. Want to talk about spices okay. and accessibility? Yeah, so with spices, there's a number of different ways you can label them. So some people will actually just take a, a black Sharpie and write the initials of that spice on the lid, or they'll, they'll put a, a large uh, label on it and write it in large print. Um, if you have one of those Braille labelers, those work really well. And then um, my newest favorite thing is NaviLens, so making your own QR code that you can put on your, your spices so you can have them in accessible formats. Nice. Uh, and maybe this is the last thing we'll get to, but what is the plan that we should have in case something goes wrong? A lot can go wrong right. in the kitchen. So, yeah. So you want to have a fire safety plan in place just in case. So you have a phone on you. So if you have to phone 911, if, you know, if there is a fire situation, you have to have um, a way of making yourself safe and not the best thing is don't deal with it yourself. Call 911 right away and get them to come and deal with the fire because you just don't want to mess around with mm. the possibility of getting getting burned. Yeah, and these are things, I mean, first of all, these are probably the anxieties that we all have anyways going into the kitchen or trying new projects in the kitchen or learning to use a stove for the first time, things like that. But uh, truly, like, you want to think about these things at least in a... Mm, safety precaution way so that you're not necessarily worried and panicking once things happen. You want to know your kitchen inside out, Leanne. Oh, 
absolutely. So, you know, before you start making sure you're organized, making sure you have all your materials uh, on the counter so that when you get started, you don't have to keep going back and forth. Um, I like that garbage bowl. It's super useful. If you have shells or peels or whatever you have to do, throw it in the garbage bowl and deal with the compost later. But at least that way, you don't have to keep going back and forth. Awesome. That was our conversation with Leanne Barda, and we check in with her usually on the third Monday of the month. We've kind of been shuffling things around, I guess, on purpose. We can't tell you that. Uh, and she joins us with Independent Living Skills. Uh, always a big shout-out for the meat thermometer, the talking meat thermometer. There's so many different versions out there now. <laughs> I knew you'd pick up I on know. that again. There's I one thing that you should remember. Um, it's the talking meat thermometer. Game changer. Shout-out to the talking meat thermometer people. Right? It's another thing to add to your low-tech list for the holidays, maybe. Huh? Marco Flalo has 10 of them, okay? Mm -hmm. Coming up next, <laughs> as we carry on on our Monday edition of the show, what does the Canadian government recommend for its citizens to do in the case of an emergency when traveling abroad? Danielle McLaughlin, you know she's going to have the answer to this. She'll let us know on Know Your Rights next. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Enjoying our Monday edition of the program. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv across Canada. Around the world on AMI-audio at 4 p.m. Eastern, you can listen to the first edition of the program and settle on back and maybe have some dinner with us. However you consume the show, thanks a lot for being there. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of Kelly and Ramya. And uh, wherever you are, hopefully the, you're able to reach out to us whenever you'd like. Send us a message, whether it's through Twitter or one of the other media ways you can, can reach the program, because we'd obviously love to hear from you. Anyway, it's time for our Know Your Rights segment. We do this on Mondays with Danielle McLaughlin. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. Always fun to have you on the program, Danielle. And today we kind of get you to ourselves as we settle back to have a chat with you on a, an interesting topic because I've heard people touch on this in different ways. And I think your take on it's going to cover things in many different ways. So welcome back. Thank you. It's lovely seeing both of your shiny faces and uh, hearing your voices, particularly, I have to say. Um, I would like just to start out with a bit of a caveat. Whatever I am saying right now does not constitute legal advice. So I'm, this is basically information um, and conversation. But uh, if you're concerned about what happens when you travel ab abroad, you should be speaking to um, the Canadian uh, consul where you are or to uh, Travel uh, Canada. So uh, that that's that, that's my, my basic caveat. A disclaimer before. Mm, a disclaimer. Okay. That's right. That's right. All my right, warning. Daniel, where, okay. where are we going? Where do you want to start? Well, first of all, um, the question, should you let the government of Canada know that you're traveling when you're planning to be outside the country? Now, some people have felt 
well, it's nobody's business but mine when I'm leaving the country and when I'm coming back, because as a Canadian citizen, I have mobility rights, which, um, you know, doesn't mean you can drive as fast as you want. It does mean that you can leave the country and if you're a citizen, you get to come back and they can't keep you out. But um, it is strongly recommended that all citizens traveling abroad or living abroad should, should sign up with the registration of Canadians abroad. And the reason that this is recommended is that it allows the Canada to contact you to provide you important safety information in case of an emergency. For example, if you're in a country where there is a climate disaster, um, you're going to ask Canada for some help. Um, right. Or if you're in a, a country that, uh, you know, is involved in a conflict, it your relatives who are still in Canada are going to want to know how to reach you or if they can reach you. And if you've registered, that really provides a bit of a, um, well, a, a, a lifeline for you and for your family. Hmm. And this is interesting, Danielle, because I don't know the percentage of people who would register for this or yeah. who already do or are even aware that this is the formal way to let the Canadian government know that you're out? Well, that's a really good question, Ramia. I don't know what the numbers are at all. Um, and I know that many people, for example, who are going on vacation wouldn't really bother right. to notify the country. But if you're going to a place, and by the way, Canada has a whole list of countries um, which they categorize with um three different colors. The, the green means it's perfectly safe to travel there. The yellow means that there are some things you should take into consideration if you're planning to travel there. And the red ones, Canada is telling you it isn't safe to be there at mm -hmm. all. Um, and if you're going to a yellow or a red zone, uh, Canada can't keep you from going to those places, but it probably would be a good idea to register so that Canada knows uh, where you are in case mm -hmm. you, you uh, encounter a situation that uh, is, is unsafe. And you mm -hmm. use the word lifeline, right, when you're talking about registering. So let's talk about what it means for safety for you. Who's responsible for your safety when you're outside of the country? if you let the government know or even if you don't yeah well either way it's you mm. so the canada is not going to be responsible for your safety they tell you that you can receive consular services by signing up on the registration of canadians abroad uh, and they are going to be there in cases of emergency, but there's no guarantee that you will right. receive consular services, and there's no guarantee that they can do anything. One, one of the um, things that everybody who travels ought to be aware of is that wherever you go, you are responsible to obey the laws in the country where you are. So even if the laws in the country that you have traveled to are different from those in, in Canada, um, you are responsible to obey the laws of that country. And if you break those laws, there's not a whole lot Canada can do about that. Um, you know, they, they can offer you a list of lawyers uh, in that country, or if you're it's in a medical emergency, they can give you a list of physicians or emergency medical services. They can't provide you with those services. And these are, um, you know, these are pretty important things. But when you look at which countries have the yellow 
checks rather than the green, it's perfectly safe to go there. You might be interested that the United States is included in those yellow uh, categories. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I mean, there are places in the United States where (laughs) clearly you want to be pretty cautious traveling and, you know, a country that has um you know open carry gun uh, mm. laws you know is 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 going that to be alone. somewhat more of a concern than let's say you know Great Britain doesn't have a uh, a, a yellow check just as a, as right. a comparison right yeah. it's interesting because it, it's what you think and what we believe too and you do have to know man you can't do this do your homework that's what we're very quick to hey where's the best place to eat but we don't have diplomatic immunity so know your laws and rules when you go somewhere as much as we can. Um, right. Then, you know, what does the Canadian government recommend that we do in case, as a citizen, we, we run into an emergency abroad? Well, when there's a large scale emergency, and I'm not talking about a personal emergency, but, you know, again, war or, or a climate disaster, Canada may deploy expert teams to enhance the capacity of their officers Uh, to help people who are affected by the emergency. They can help Canadians depart to the nearest safe haven on a cost recovery basis. So, for example, we are looking daily at the media uh, for uh, Canadians and and Canadian permanent residents who are in Gaza and trying to get out. Um, Canada is trying to help these people. They can't give them a guarantee that they will get them out, but they can provide some assistance. And one of the things that Canada can do is liaise with uh, families. So right. if if you are um, in, in a country that is suddenly at war or, or in some kind of a crisis situation, they can help your family find out how you are or where you are. Um, and, and, you know, quite personally, um, we've, we had a situation with a family member many, many years ago now who uh, seemed to have disappeared in a foreign country. Uh, we reached out here, and we were in Canada, the, the, the relative was, was abroad, um, and we reached out, and they were able to, to do track down where the person was. The person eventually did uh, get back to Canada safely. Um, and I think part of it was because people were asking, where is this person? Mm. And, and there, there was some, you know, some help in, in that way. And Canada can provide timely information and updates through its website and social media, also by phone, SMS, and email. So, you know, the government is, you know, they they can do their best. Will they always? Depends. Right, right. Uh, but at least you're leaving the communication opportunities open because, again, we don't know when communication can be shut down and what kinds of wiggle room you'll have in cases of these large-scale emergencies. Danielle, the the passport is what uh, gets us out and brings us back in. You know, you're holding on to your passports when you leave the country. What happens if we lost our passport? Yeah, that's... um, And by the way, Canadian passports apparently uh, are are a bit at a premium if you're talking about it being stolen. Apparently they're worth a lot more money than some other passports. Uh, The first thing you should do is is get in touch with the consulate uh, in the area where where you're traveling. They can um, uh, issue an emergency or emergency travel documents or even a temporary passport if you are in an urgent uh, situation um, and you you, you need it. So there is a... uh, 
and actually there's a website for lost, stolen, inaccessible, or damaged or found passports if you find a Canadian passport. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, if you're at home and your passport is stolen, as, as has happened to any number of people, that's considered a major theft. It's not like, you know, if you lose your wallet, um, that's unfortunate and you probably won't ever get your money back, but you must report to the police if your passport is stolen. So that is, you know, that that's a, a significant uh, right. right. Yeah. Which makes sense because of what it can be used for. But when you talk about getting that access, if you lose it overseas, um, in your experience, in your knowledge, Danielle, do most of us find it relatively easy to get that support? Because, I mean, obviously, if you've lost it, are you carrying a birth certificate to prove anything when you go for that help? How does that work? Is it well, more that, trouble? Uh, again, it's not It's not going to be fixed in 15 minutes, that's for no. sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Canadian government has a record of your passport. So, you know, if you go to the consulate, um, if you contact the, the consular services immediately, they will do what they can to replace it. You probably aren't traveling with your birth certificate, as as you mentioned. And in fact, many people Should whose passports be. are stolen have lost everything else, too, right? You know, they yeah. may have found that, they're, you know, if they were carrying it with their wallet or if it was in their hotel and it was uh, sto- stolen from there. Um, so, you know... There, the, the circumstances will differ from person to person, but uh, they, they will do their best um, where they can. You should be aware, though, that very often consular uh, staff are people who are uh, from the country where you are. So if, if you go to um, the consulate in, in the country that you're, you're visiting, you may find that you need to speak the language of that country. There will be people who can probably help you in French and or English, but that they may not be the first people that you encounter. So it, it might take you a bit of time before you can get all of this, uh, you know, straightened away. Okay. Daniel, is well, it... Let's talk about those services. Then. Yeah. What are those consular services and what can they do to help? What will they not do for us? And how difficult okay. is it to find these services? Mm. You know, how familiar do we have to be to before we get to a particular country? Or no consulate, well, uh, right? Either mm, when good, you're there. A, a good plan before you travel is find out where the 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 Canadian con, uh, consulates are. Mm-hmm. Um, in some countries, there may not even be a, a Canadian consulate, but there may be another country whose consulate um, a, will uh, agree to help Canadians. Okay. Um, and 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 for example, Canada. Uh, has been the consulate in certain countries that will help people from New Zealand or Australia um, because they just, you know, there may not be a, an available consulate. The, the consular program aims to publish timely and accurate information on safe travel abroad, uh, deliver modernized, effective and efficient consular services and provide emergency to assistance to Canadians on a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week Basis, So they can help in a medical emergency by providing a list of local doctors and hospitals, provide advice and contact information for local police in case of uh, in case you become a victim uh, of a crime. Um, They can provide assistance in case of missing persons or, God forbid, the abduction of a child to another country, replace lost, stolen, damaged or expired passports. 
they can contact relatives or friends to request assistance. So they won't give you money, but they, they can ask your grandma for you um, to, no, to, to help you send money they, they, or to send you airline tickets, right? Uh, oh, they wait, can you call them now, they'll hang up on you, say, nah, this yeah. is one of those scams. Not we your grandma. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they can transfer funds, but you'll have to pay that back, right? Yeah. Uh, if you suddenly, there's no way you can get any money. They will contact your next of kin. They will advise local police in Canada to contact next of kin in case uh, there's been a death abroad. Um, they will provide assistance to repatriate the remains of your loved one back to Canada. So if somebody you love has uh, died while abroad, the Canadian consulate will do their best to, to repatriate the remains and, um, you know, to identify a funeral home uh, that, that can help doing that. Mm. So, you know, and one of the things, if you are, please don't be, but if you are ever arrested while you are abroad, they can provide you with a list of local lawyers um, and again, um, contact your family and friends as, as long as you authorize it. They won't. They won't do that. You know, they, they won't tell on you. Right. So um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Nobody ever Come has back to, to know. all that laughter, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> you fool. Daniel, just quickly in thirty seconds because we've covered yes. so much. I thought we could end on uh, losing our right to vote if we're traveling abroad and not uh, in Canada for too long. Is that? true that we can that, well you, it used to be it used to be that if you were out of the country for five years or longer you would lose your right to vote uh that case went to the supreme court of canada um oh about 15 years ago 10 years ago now and no you can no longer lose your right to vote if you are a citizen of canada and you are 18 years of age or older on election day and you have previously lived in canada no matter when, like even when you were two years old, mm. um, for any length of time, you have the right to vote, but you need to register as uh, at the International Register of Electors so that you're able to vote while you are abroad. Okay. Right. Makes sense. That's great. Thanks, Danielle. Of course, vital information and always good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Take care and talk to you next week. Oh, you bet. No. Yes. Yes. We, we, yeah. we, don't, yes. Get yourself, <laughs> don't get yourself I'm mixed all up. Don't even all go these there. Are messing up. Okay. Oh, boy. We start doing that on the program with Bill and get him totally in a circle. Uh, oh, Danielle McLaughlin, Bill. Know Your Rights, Mondays right here on the program. Up next, we wrap up the show. We'll find out what's going on on Now with Dave Brown. We've got that for you right over there. And our closing moment. Fascinating one today. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. I've put an order in for you to have a home studio so you can stop sucking up all the coffee there. Make your own. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. I don't make coffee at home anymore. I have no idea how to... Where to start? What would you do? You think about all the changes. If you had a home studio to work from, my gosh. <laughs> like, I mean, good heavens. We'd see Maybe, that poor uh, puppy can get me forced to be on maker. cam every day. Mm. Are you going to put that in a budget when requesting? Of I course. need a home studio. Here can are I get all the important things. Nespresso, please? Yep. How come the coffee makers before <laughs> the actual camera? Look at that. that I already have people volunteering there. to bring me my coffee machine. Thanks. I hope so. Good. Yeah, you guys do something, man. Some of you got to work. Uh, <laughs> folks. Download the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform to Kelly at Rumya. And while you're in there, maybe give us a rating and review. 
And back to Rumia. We're going to find out what's going on on Now with Dave Brown. Their show on at 9 a.m. in the morning, also available via podcast. Yep, it's Alex Smite this week hosting the show. Uh, he's going to talk about the House of Commons committee making their recommendations for a veteran's employment strategy. It's going to be with reporter Megan Gilmore. Uh, she's got the details on that. Also, November is Financial Literacy Month in Saskatchewan is marking the occasion with an introduction of of a new course. So reporter John Lopke will discuss the mixed reactions that the course is getting from parents, teachers, and students. That's definitely going to be mixed. Also, it wouldn't be Tuesday if they didn't have the news quiz. So joining Alex, it's going to be Alicia Yardley, Elizabeth Muller, and Brock Richardson testing their new skills and information out. How does Brock keep he getting must, himself he must back not on there? Be, uh, he must not be as lousy I figured. I figured he would be. I'm or, not going to comment on that, else. Or there's mm, nobody else ready to or go. Or he's volunteering because uh, news is his new thing now. Sports and news with Brock Richardson. Oh, good. Maybe he'll send you a book that's a little better than the one he suggested Ouch. recently. Oh, Again, boy, no we'll comments. Uh, if you run into Dave Brown out there, folks who must be wandering around somewhere this week, uh, get on to buy you a beverage or something and say hi. You know, you'll love it. Sit Post down with a great person. birthday hangout right? with Dave. Yeah, I think that's what's happening. Is that his birthday this past it week? It was his birthday last week, yeah. Oh, that's why he's oh, out all week. So. He needs an entire oh, week plus to party. Birthday hangover. <laughs> Folks, I want to get into as with our closing moment some incredible news. A really interesting story from the Mayo Clinic. A double uterus is a rare condition that is present in some women at birth. Each one develops into a separate, separate organ, even though each uterus may have its own cervix. Maybe three out of 1,000 women may have this uh, situation or double, double uterus or, or the double cervix. And then the probability of you having a, get this, twin in either oh. is even higher. Like you're talking a one in a million chance of that happening. Kelsey is one of those people, Ramya, that she is in this situation, her and her husband, Caleb. Now, when she goes into labor, because it is a... You know, a little bit of a tricky situation. Uh, if, that is, if she does, they're going to have to monitor each uterus and see which one is contracting. And if they're doing almost the same sort of thing or maybe something different because her circumstance is so rare, doctors don't actually have an official name referring to the two babies, so they go with twin. So in, in essence, folks, she can go into labor in either one at different times, but yet they're twins, so they could come out at different times, and touch wood, everything goes well, mm. of course, with this situation. So they still call them twins. And while Kelsey is excited about these, this new addition to the family, they've got three children already, um, she and Caleb have decided that uh, the babies are, these two babies coming, these two ladies coming, are their final. So they'll have a, a family of five. They don't have a vehicle big enough to take all seven of them. Oh. They've got to take care of that. Uh, they're very grateful for all the blessings, but it will be the end, she says. Their due date, wait for it, Rum, December 25th, Christmas. Oh, my gosh. I hope everything goes well, and they hope they have plan A, B, C, and D figured out because this is wild. Not just like Absolutely. the medical side of it, but the blessing and keep your fingers crossed that everything goes well. And we all are. That is tremendous. And wow, what a situation. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not with you tomorrow. Grant will be sitting in with Ramya on the program. How do we motivate a, a change in behavior for our pets? Bet Danielle John Kind, she'll be here to let us know. 
Also, we have uh, Bruce Baclarian, visual producer for Now with Dave Brown, joining us on collections and hobbies to talk about his bike collection and what he ends up doing with all the bikes he has because it's pretty cool. It's like a collection turned into hobby. Wow, I've talked to Bruce so many times about the bikes. Sorry we're going to miss that one. Grant, you will have a great chat with him. Mm -hmm. Folks, uh, we'll be back beginning at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Fedora's off to you. So as our team grows, it's interesting when we have opportunities, if we're invited to talk at an event, or maybe even the thought goes through our head, should we do a TV hit from there? How can we incorporate and do it? So it's really going to be interesting over the next little while to see what we do. I'm bringing this up because on the 27th of November at the Great Hall in Toronto, we're taping a special and you've heard us advertising it. You've also heard us mention that Beth and Grant will be there and other members of the team. And there was kind of, you know, that moment where you're, who's going to be there and who's not? We're, we're planning to send Beth and, and maybe Grant, um, depending what other things he's got to do with us, because we're certainly looking for all hands on deck uh, with um, Megan out to maybe get some interviews from people that are there. When they come in in the lobby, we'll need some time filling because we're working on the production and, and Rum and I may not be able to do as much paying attention to people um, before the show, particularly as we'd like to. Because, you know, we'd love to be out there chatting and shaking hands and laughing with people. Um, that's what it's really all about. But what I love is the experience people like Irene, who you heard here doing a vanity card last week, our, our director getting a chance to be a part, getting a chance to be out there. One of the things that when we were a radio show, really we loved. Jeff, Matt, Rum, and I would get on the road, have to go somewhere. One of the representatives from marketing were often with us back in those days uh, to handle that end of things, tweeting and so on. But it was just really an interesting time, not only to go to the places we were going, of course, the trips, that you don't really get a lot of time to do some of the sightseeing I think people think you do, but you get time to visit with people who pay attention to the show, who come out to the event because they want to say, hey, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to meet you guys. I want to say hello. And it's always fun to show what we do. And I'm looking forward to doing that that day. I mean, this is definitely different than what we normally do. We don't do a show this way. This is a total special as we're putting it together now uh, for later airing. But it hopefully will give that feel. And we had to think, being so new to the TV portion of doing the, our show and keeping it true to our show, how we're going to do it. What take are we going to have? So a lot of fun, uh, looking forward to it and getting a chance to meet some people if they're in the GTA or, or if you feel like traveling in from anywhere else, please be safe, be careful. But we absolutely would love to meet you. Remember, it's 3 p.m. in the afternoon on the 27th of November and send your messages that if you have questions or would like to make sure your spot is reserved for you and whomever you're coming with, if anyone, info at ami.ca. Love to meet you, love to Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.